welcome everyone to episode five of the Spider 2Y podcast. Um, this week we talk uh, about Julian Edelman's retirement. We talk about um, Genevion Clowney's move to the Browns and where we think the Browns are right now. Um, we talk a little bit about the Las Vegas Raiders um, and we finish up with um, the the final instalment of our uh, mock draft, which has been going on for far too long. But um, thanks very much for tuning in and enjoy episode five. Hello, Jack. How are you? Uh, hello, other Jack. I think this this has become the. I, but, I feel. I feel oh, sorry, I'm just completely going to butcher the, your intro, but. I feel like we should probably actually rehearse a better intro rather than hello Jack and then hello other Jack. Do you know what? I think it Or does be... that work? No, it works. It works. It's it's going to become a thing, isn't it? Well, You'll have people repeating it. Yeah, probably. You know, I it... don't know. I, I feel like, we, I don't know, whenever we finish a podcast, I then go back and think, should probably think about what I'm going to say as soon as the mic's turned on. And then I don't. And then it's turned on. And then I'm like, hello. But you know what? If you think about it, I reckon it'd be worse. Yeah, but you should definitely have some like canned, like um, <laughs> yeah, intro sort of response or whatever. You know, like Scroobius Pip, he's like, "Welcome, welcome, welcome." Yeah, and yeah. then some other people obviously um, have theirs. But but what's wrong with one. "Hello Jack" and "Hello Other Jack"? <laughs> I feel like there's. I just haven't thought of what to say after that, but. <laughs> I guess that's more your job than you it do is mine say anyway. It in quite an awkward fashion, but mm. uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll uh, you know greetings aside. Um, that was a better intro than a planned one, anyway. It was, yeah. So spontaneous. Who cares about planned intros, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, how's your week been? You've been uh, back at work. <laughs> yeah, I have been um, zero to zero to one thousand. Brilliant. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's been, it's, it's good. Um, I like, I, I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed being back at work, to be honest. Um, although not everything in my week went to plan and, uh, I got, I got a bit upset about that the other night. Yeah. Um, but that's nice. You're, you're yeah, permitted. I, I think I was, ex- I don't know why I just had high hopes for my first week and everything running smoothly into plan and it didn't. And, um, I that was never going to happen. That was never going to happen, Jack. Was it? It's it's, it's always going to be, uh, you know, deep end, isn't it? Le- trying to learn to swim again. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I always feel like I'm fairly in control of things. So, um, but then to be honest, it was nothing to really worry about, and it's been uh, it's been fine. But I guess I should probably say what I do. I'm, I'm just talking quite yeah. vaguely about it. Yeah. But <laughs> obviously, to most people that know, I'm a tattoo artist. Um, tattoo artist by day um nfl fan by evening by sunday. sunday so by yeah. sunday yeah um so yeah i'm a tattoo artist so um it takes up a lot of my time and for the last year i haven't really been doing it because we've been in a pandemic um and now i'm back to work so it's um full steam ahead but i like it i like being busy so I'm, and i'm i i'm not gonna um i'm not gonna moan too much about my job because i sometimes do that and i hate people that do that yeah, so I'll leave it at that. I can I can say that as someone who has for the for the last what four or five years tried to 
fight for Jack's attention away from his busy <laughs> job. <laughs> it's been nice having Jack on, on well, not even furlough, just unemployed for well, a while. Lot, that's what Daisy's been saying. <laughs> yeah, I bet. She's like, oh, God, you're going to be going back to your normal self. Yeah, we're, we're going to miss Jack. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a good year so yeah but anyway so um we had what did we have we had the masters last week did you uh you tuned into that did you i did actually um mm. it's really fun isn't it i don't know it what was, yeah. I, I guess maybe that we play golf more more now but i can i can legitimately watch it mm. yeah and enjoy it absolutely yeah there's something i don't i don't know whether it's just there's something special about the masters but yeah it's, I, since we sort of got into playing more um i i sort of tune in sort of as and when but the masters really grabbed my attention the next one i'm really looking forward to is the Ryder cup which i think is later in the year i heard you know that's one that a lot of people talk about as well is that but... is that the one where the british play americans or Europeans? Europe, european against the yeah, american okay. yeah so that should so that... I definitely think i would be into that now but yeah there is something nice about the masters isn't it? like we were saying last week on the pod like it just it looks like heaven on that course and yeah. it's really serene and when I was saying, you know, I watched the YouTube coverage a lot and they cover it from, I think it's Amen Corner. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think it's like three holes basically intersect at that point. So you're three kind of, of like the hardest holes yeah. in golf, I think. I think the idea is is that you need to say a prayer to get through it. I think that's why they ah, call it Amen Corner. I, d- okay. I may have read into that wrong, but that's what I had sort of. It would, it would totally make sense. Yeah. Um, but it's quite an interesting little corner. And, it, uh, you know, even when they're. Um, you know playing obviously the the commentary and stuff and it's very it's very like whispery and sort of low voice and it's like almost like that asmr (laughs) and then they the background music they play is like sort of like violin-y kind of like chilled whale music and also there is nothing better than hearing the sound of a professional golfer striking a golf ball flush like that's that's my asmr yeah something that we don't experience yeah <laughs> you hear you just hear that sound. whip yeah it is it is super nice to see them do it um and also quite refreshing to see them fuck it yeah absolutely yeah yeah i mean it's uh you know we're we're gonna go and play i've had to talk jack into playing tomorrow he wasn't uh he wasn't so keen but um, i was keen early week yeah and then i took yeah. a turn for the worse last tonight <laughs> But yeah, I think you can you can watch and even the best in the world, um, you know, will hook it into the water and things like that. You know, I was saying to you the other day, I had a I had a bet um, on uh, on Xander Chauflet. Um I put I put the bet on sort of late Saturday when he started sort of making a bit of a run, because obviously you're not going to bet on the the leader because you're not going to get any no. money from that. So so you kind of go ah. Oh, Okay, and I think I, I got pretty good odds on him because because um, uh, the the leader was out by quite a long way at that point, and then uh, it was all looking really good. And then on the sixteenth, I think he he put his tee shot in the water, and it was over. Yeah, I, I sort of um, obviously I, I was I probably wasn't following it as closely as you, but I was sort of dipping in and out of it, and. He was obviously on the. I don't know if he was for the whole weekend, but on the Sunday he was playing with um, Hideki, wasn't he? Yeah, Matt, yeah. Matt, Hideki Matsuyama, Matsuyama. Yeah. Um, and it's quite an interesting contrast seeing them both play because Hideki seemed to just be really in control and just 
just playing really nice, consistent golf. There was a few ones that, you know, he ended up in the bunker a bit, and but he always recovered really well. Yeah, he took, some, then, he took some wild risks on that back yeah. nine, which, was, uh, which made it a bit more interesting. But then seeing him in contrast to Xander, Xander was, you know, he had like birdie a hole and then, you know, like three play on the net. Yeah, 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 like it's really wild, his swings. Um, So I guess... I guess it's, you know, about consistency to oh, some, absolutely, some degree, yeah. really, and isn't it? That's the hardest thing to achieve in golf, um, you know, in my humble opinion. You know, anyone can can get to a, a point where they're playing all right, but um, to be consistent is uh, is very, very hard. But yeah, I, it was it was great to, great to have something to watch. We talked last week about having the fans there and stuff as well, and it was just nice to... How, how are you feeling on Bryson? How am I feeling on Bryson? Um, yeah, he's quite a, he's quite a polarizing character, isn't he? Yeah, I, I like Bryson. I you know okay, I, I don't for the record. Yeah, okay. I um, I as a, I have a bit. I don't know if I have an issue with him as a person. I don't know him as a person, but I quite I quite like the the whole idea of just smashing the ball down there because that's his talent. Um, and you know there have been some courses that that's worked really well for him on. I I also like that. Augusta as a golf course almost says to Bryson, "Fuck you, man! Mm. You can't, you can't do that shit here because um, he struggles around that golf course, man." Like, you know, I think before before last year's, um, la- I say last year's, but the, the Masters in November, so it was last year's Masters, but it was obviously delayed. He was making comments after the practice rounds, saying. Um, that I think it's a par 72 course and he was saying it's playing more like a par 69 or a par 68 for him or something and just don't disrespect Augusta do you know what I mean like it, it almost feels like the course came back and bit him on the arse a little bit which is yeah quite satisfying. He, he kind of I think this is the problem with him though isn't it he overall he seems like an all right guy you know I don't really have an issue with him but he just says some douchey things sometimes because he was saying about um I can't remember what day it was on or whatever, but, you know, he gives these interviews and obviously he likes to get go on about the science behind it and all this sort of stuff as if he's some sort of, you know, professor. And he was saying about, you know, the frontal lobe exhaustion contributed. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you just sound like such a tool. Yeah, he's, a, he's I think he's, um. you could, you could say, oh, you know, he's, he's just a bit of a nerdy guy, but I don't think it's even that because he's one it's, of these kind of nerdy guys that is trying to really... I saw a video. It's a bit try hard, isn't it? It is. I saw a video of him, and he was like, kept telling someone that his favourite film was Interstellar, and I was like, calm down, man. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't come across as genuine, does it? No, no, no. And I think that's what rubs people because people quite often. There's one of the uh, golf podcasts I listen to that no laying up one or whatever it was, no layups, Mm. Um, and they quite often get on Bryson and they sort of circle back to them and they're like, should we be this harsh on Bryson? Like he it's not like he does anything really egregious, but then it's just like, he just does this and says things that are just a little bit try hard and they come across as disingenuous. Yeah. And he doesn't make it easy it. to like him the whole time. I mean, as I say, when, when Bryson's playing a golf course that suits his game, I quite enjoy watching him because it's something that just is so unachievable to me, you know, to hit the mm. ball that far. And to, I mean, he, you know, I think it was the Arnold Palmer, um, invitational uh, about a month or so ago 
I mean, he he was on fire, man. Like watching him around that course was an absolute privilege. But um, yeah, it's it, I think I I kind of find it funny how um, Augusta seems to be his uh, like kryptonite. Yeah, well, to... it was there was a lot of hoo ha, wasn't there, last year or whatever when he he sort of burst back on the scene after the COVID break, mm. and it was like, oh shit, you know, this could be the you know the changing of the guard, and you know this this new style of play and, you know, beef up and just bomb it and stuff like that. And there's a few other guys that obviously were doing it as well. And there was, a, a, I, for one, you know, I personally prefer the, the sort of, you know, I love people like Rory, mm-hmm. DJ, you know, Tiger, like the swings, you know, I love their, you know, the, the technicians of the game. Yeah. And obviously DJ is a bit of a combination of both. So is Rory, I guess they can both bomb it, but yeah, they are a bit more graceful. Yeah, and it absolutely. was almost like, oh, Bryson just coming in and just meat heading it down. And it was like, oh, is this golf changed? And it's quite nice that it's not changed. You know, right. there, some things will really suit him, um, but others won't. And I, I, I do like that about Augusta is it seems to, it doesn't matter if you can bomb it, you're still going to be, uh, have to play a, a sort of a slightly more technical and, you know, finessed game. Yeah. And that first day, I think the conditions were really difficult wind wise and, you know, you sometimes wonder how that's going to affect Bryson's game as well. Like, does he need like a perfect, a perfect day, or at least the wind in his favour to, to achieve what he's doing? But yeah, I mean, as I say, I don't, I don't dislike him. I like what when he's on form, I enjoy watching him. But I, I wouldn't say that that's how I'd want to watch golf go. It's just nice to have one player as like an anomaly in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I guess it's just a shame. Sometimes he's the poster boy for it, but yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, anyway, that's probably enough Bryson chat because this is the problem, isn't it? These polarizing people end up dominating yeah, conversation, absolutely. and um, obviously that that Zalatoris kid had a nice, nice sort of finish to the to the weekend. Yeah, nice um, blouse he had on as well. It's really, really yeah, nice number he was rocking at the end. <laughs> um the other one i, I was going to bring up so this is going to be part of my rant but i i'm not <laughs> yeah. sure whether we Golf save rants well just anyone not anyone can catch it you know yeah, that's no one's problem, safe yeah um but i don't know whether to save this for another episode or not okay we're gone i, I can well, always i can always right. edit you out all <laughs> if right, i get it. bored of you <laughs> all right off i go so you know did you see that billy horschel billy herschel billy horschel yeah yeah Billy Horshell, Horshell, not sure how you say his name, American guy, having an absolute tantrum every time he like duffed a shot and he duffed quite a lot. He was the one you see him, he slid down the bank. He got in the water a couple of times around that, you know, that the, the amen corner one and he slipped down the bank on his bum and stuff like that. Yeah. And having an absolute paddy every shot. Right. And it, I, it just looks really lame. You just look like a child. And I know it's, it's super frustrating and we've all been there, but I think either the cameramen need to not record them when they're doing it. Cause it just look, it, you just look like such a loser and then, um, or they just, you just need to be in better control of your emotions a bit, but I don't know which one, which side of that fence I fall on, but it really irritated me just seeing him have a little tantrum every time that he duffed a shot. It's a funny thing. In, I think actually it brings up a whole other conversation about sports in general, doesn't it? About, you know, these professionals having tantrums. Um, you know, you can go back to like looking at players like John McEnroe, who mm. like made a career of yeah. having tantrums. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on it. 
because um, there's sometimes nothing better than seeing someone, you know, just lose their mind over something that they, obviously they care about. But um, yeah, I was just looking actually, and he um, he has apologised for his conduct at the Masters, according to one article. But also, he's now moaning about. Um, you know, like Bryce and a lot of these guys do that, the putting stroke where they lock oh, their front arm. Oh, yeah, it looks awful. It does, but he's now saying that that should, uh, Billy Horshaw is now saying that that should be banned because, well, the, because people are getting too good at it. I've heard that actually, I think it is actually going to be banned. Really? Okay, the guys on the that. podcast I listened to said that it's only a matter of time before it's banned. And it, right, okay, I just remembered also why I re- this Billy Horshaw really irritated me. Right. It was his tantrums and his shoes. <laughs> I don't get in this day and age why there's still people wearing those like brogue yeah. um, spikes. They look <laughs> super traditional. So traditional. Yeah. They look terrible. Um, someone described them as something the other day and it was such a spot on description of them. Um, but yeah, that I think that's what contributed to me really disliking him. Going Having to a, little... a golf course dress for a wedding, kind of thing. Yeah, they're <laughs> awful. They're so gross. He has like the two-toned ones as well, like the white shoe with a a navy blue like part on the on the on the shoe. On the other end of that spectrum, though, and I promise, listeners, we all get off golf in a second. But on the other <laughs> end of that spectrum, did you see Bubba Watson's? Um, master's edition jordan fours he was wearing no i didn't oh. i don't pay that much attention to him to be honest they were absolutely sick they were all white and then they had like um like the the master's dark green around around the bottom and they had the green spikes on the bottom as well they were absolutely gorgeous oh okay yeah, i'm just looking them up they do look really nice oh jordan fours yeah yeah they're real nice yeah is he a Jordan branded player? I think he just... is. Yeah, no, I think he is. It's an unfortunate sponsorship, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not buying them because Bubba Watson wears them. No. But on on this subject, because I it's something I quite I like, you know, about golf is especially now is that they've made it a lot more trendy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, like, although he hasn't quite got the results, like someone like Tommy Fleetwood just looks yeah. so dope on the course. Fairway Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know wearing the air max you know that's why you know i'm seeing billy horshaw like have a tantrum and throw his toys out the pram whilst wearing those horrible brogues with about 58 sponsors on his shirt yeah and then you've got like someone looking slick as fuck like um even tony finau he looked pretty sweet at the weekend um and um fairway jesus just looks rad you know he's got the air maxes on and just uh, i, I love totally me some tommy that. fleetwood man I love me some tommy mm-hmm. fleetwood he got a hole in one as well at the masters which was great for him um he's got a beautiful um swing as well he has he has a real hold he holds that finish it's kind of bizarre but it looks quite nice i think well i really hope there's some better results to come for him because i think yeah. he's a much better player than he's showing but um yeah so that's we're talking about polarizing figures as well, just before we move on to football, um, talking about polarising figures, it's uh, Jake Paul, Ben Askren this weekend, oh, isn't it? We're not doing this, are we? <laughs> like, I cannot think of two people that I'd want to... I'd, I'd dislike them both so much. I dislike Jake Paul more, but why the fuck is this happening? Do you have an opinion on that? I do, but I don't even want to give it any airtime because the problem <laughs> is the more we all talk about it, the more 
it actually keeps happening. I I hope I um, I was listening to obviously our friend Lewis mm-hmm. um, talking about it the other day, and he had uh, Tom, our sort of other f- friend on Tom Green, mm-hmm. and um, Tom put forward some points I totally agree with, and I kind of hope happens. And he was saying because obviously he you know he participates in fighting and mixed martial arts himself. And um, so I guess it hits it hits a little bit closer to home for someone like him, um, because you have numpties like these two representing the combat sports on a, a sort of a wide scale. And he's Tom was like, the only way this ridiculous stuff stops, you know, these constant celebrity matches and everyone thinking they're some sort of boxer all of a sudden is if someone gets seriously hurt. Mm. And he was like, I hope it doesn't kind of happen, but almost I kind of hope it does. And I have to agree with him. I. I can't stand these novelty matchups with people with no experience. Um, and yeah, I, I hope people stop viewing it because obviously, you know, if people aren't viewing it, there's no point putting them on. But I, I guess people are. I, I think as well, like, the, again, we won't go too much into this, but the work that the UFC and other mixed martial arts organizations have put in to grow that sport. It would be an awful shame if, um, and the, the the joke of it is, is these guys aren't even going in for an MMA match. They're boxing. Um, so not only does it drag the UFC and other MMA organisations name down if you know a guy like Ben Askren loses to a YouTuber, but also the sport of boxing, which has just got this rich history, just becomes a joke. And it just, I just. I'm so annoyed that it's happening and um, I I think shame on people like Ben Askren for even getting involved. I know it's a payday and that, but just shame on you for even entertaining the idea. It, it, I mean, it's significantly cheapening the brand of fighting uh, and especially boxing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's why I really disagreed with Dana White putting CM Punk in the UFC a couple of years back because that's doing exactly the same thing. You're just taking the name and putting them in there, completely disrespecting all the people that have worked extremely hard their whole life to become a mixed martial artist and hopefully one day fight in the UFC. And just because this guy could sell a few tickets, he gets a couple of fights in the UFC. I think it seems like the UFC learned from that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I don't think there's enough of a payoff. You know, having CM Punk in, like, I'm sure I don't, he's not even with them anymore, is he? No, um, I don't think so. And... Uh, I just hope that boxing soon realizes. I mean, this I don't know. I don't know who's in control of it really, but I hope that they soon realize that this is not good for the sport. Mm. Uh, you're massively cheapening the product that you're putting out, and you're making a mockery of your sport. Um, it's all well and good getting the money in and getting the you know the the draw and the you know the eyeballs on it, but at what cost? You know, I, it, boxing becomes a joke. I mean, it's it's borderline getting like that anyway, you know, the, yeah. the fights are so infrequent and there's no real big names carrying the sport at this point, apart from, you know, the obvious heavyweights. And, and as you know, say, mate, as well, God forbid someone gets seriously hurt, yeah. you know, getting in there with someone they have no business being in there with, um, it, you know, it's not uh, getting punched in the face, no matter what gloves you're wearing is not a joke. It's not. Um, no. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's just, uh, just to finish up on that. Yeah. It, it just baffles me. There's no, there's not many other sports that people decide that they're, you know, they're just going to do it because they're a celebrity. And it's mm. like, why does it, why is it that you think you can all of a sudden be a boxer? Mm-hmm. I know there's some, obviously like some, 
you know primordial draw to it and that we like you know deep down we're kind of driven to fight and all this sort of stuff and we like watching it but it's a joke it's an absolute joke and yeah but i think you're right there you you know you wouldn't just get someone just go, going oh i'm going to be a professional football player no. or i'm going to be a you know professional basketball player i've just decided you know it's yeah you'd it's, be like no son you haven't put in, you know, yeah. the twenty years worth of graft. That and even in. with the golf, like going back, to, going back to golf and another individual sport, you know, you can't just go around and hit the ball round and think, right, well that's it, I can play Augusta next year. You know, it takes years and years and years and years to craft, you know, to working at that craft to to become even the bottom of that pile. Do you know what I mean? So to be a, yeah. a corn fairy tour player yeah exactly yeah yeah so um yeah no i think the thing the, the ridiculous thing is everyone seems to share the same sentiment mm. but yet they're still they're, the fights are still happening well i guess it doesn't really matter to them because it no uh publicity is bad publicity i suppose is it, in their opinion you know it's, it's unfortunately it's going to sell loads and you know people are going to watch it and for whatever reason um you know but yeah no Anyway, we, we won't get caught up on that. We'll no. let Lewis, as we said last week, we'll let Lewis do that. Lewis yeah. is going to start knocking on our door saying we're stealing all his, uh, all his content. All his content. Well, yeah. we got a shout out the other night on his podcast. So. Oh, okay. That's all we're right. Just, uh, you know, we're both, we're just, uh, we're, we're hitting it back to each other, you know? I'm going to stay on polarizing figures. Okay. And I'm going to move into the NFL because mm-hmm. that is where we should be at. <laughs> after that uh, half hour yeah well, we got some news this week julian edelman announced his retirement um obviously like edelman or not um he's had a pretty impressive career um but i think the um the two key points i want to talk about here is firstly did you see his diabolical retirement announcement video no i didn't okay i'll give you a brief overview he was Please. sat he was sat in the middle of the pitch at, um, at Gillette Stadium in a in a chair. The camera was panning around him. It took forever to start. The video's four minutes long. Okay. He does it does a little bit, you know. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like massively overhyped, uh, and then walks off. And if you get to the very end of the video. He, you know, you see him walk into the distance of the stadium and he looks at his watch and he says, beam me up. And uh, a UFO takes him up to space, I guess, or whatever. Um, that is how your boy announced his retirement from the NFL. <laughs> Thoughts? Yeah. Silence. Okay. <laughs> uh, what? Like, just... Yeah, that's real. You can watch that. Uh, um, I don't want to, to be honest. On YouTube, I'm, I, my life is, I think, significantly better for not having to watch that <laughs> yeah. four minutes. Don't worry, um, I've watched it for you, and I can tell you, it was fucking awful. I mean, I guess my thoughts are—I don't really have any, to be honest. No, no, that's I fun, I, yeah. it's so. It's mere to you, isn't it? Yeah, like it, it just—it does not move the needle for me at all, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like him as a player. His his retirement speech sounds as intriguing as he was as a player to me. I'm sure you know there is people that like him, yeah, um, and rate him. Um, I have little interest, and you know, even though wide receiver is my kind of favorite position, so to speak, he doesn't 
he doesn't crack the top 1,000 players of interest in that position, to be honest. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting point, that because, um, look, the guy's obviously done a job at the Patriots and done a really good job, especially postseason. His numbers in the postseason have been re- historically very good. Yeah. Um, I think he was a seventh round pick or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- it's that, that underdog story came in and then, you know, when Wes Welker left, I think that there was a hole and Edelman filled that hole well, um, had some had some really good seasons. And, you know, I, I'm sure if you spoke to Tom Brady about it, he would say that, that Edelman was the reason we won some of those Super Bowls. But um, I think the key thing is a lot of people have been going back and forth this week about whether he's a Hall of Famer yeah. because of all the rings. Um, now, like like some other people, I don't think that's necessarily important. Like we shouldn't be judging every single player who retires as to whether they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's not it's not the be all and not everyone gets to the Hall of Fame. That's why it's special. Um, but for me, um, he's not a Hall of Famer because I I I don't think throughout his whole career you could ever say he was even in the top 10 wide receivers in the league um you know he was he was a a great guy at doing what he did and he played a massive part on that team but if you look look back on all those years do you think you would put him in the top 10 at at all you know i I don't think you would so and, and i think in order for for you to be in the Hall of Fame, you need to be considered the best in, in your position at least once in your career. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I completely agree, to be honest. Um, I think he was extremely useful for the Patriots and played very well in certain times. Um, I I think it's a... a, a a lot more scheme specific and team specific than player. Um, I don't know. He was he was the perfect player for what the Patriots wanted and needed, wasn't he? So, in that respect, he's amazing. But I just think if you took him off of the Patriots, would he even still be? You know, would he have lasted in the NFL? No. I don't personally think so. Um, I think yeah, the guy's um, he's a Patriots legend. Mm. I wouldn't say he's an NFL legend. No. Um, and that's great. You know, that's an achievement in itself. And he obviously has a very decorated trophy cabinet from being with the Patriots. But yeah, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer because, you know, if we're going to put, you know, people that did pretty well in Super Bowls and so, I, I don't know, it, it's he's one of those real conflicting ones, isn't he? You know, like an Eli Manning, you know, like, yeah. Were they ever the best player on their team? No. Were they ever the best player? You know, were they even top 10 in their position group? Probably not. But they do have um, the hardware to, that. you know, a lot of other players don't. Um, But why can't we leave it there? Why can't we just say he's got those rings? You know, he's done that. People, you say, he's a bit like, as you say, he's a Patriots legend. Let's just leave it there. Why is it so important that, Mm. I, I don't know, I I don't think we've got. The I guess to that, but... if you're a Patriots fan, you'd probably consider him Hall of Fame. But yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. You know, there's nothing, there's no failure in not being Hall of Fame. Like it's such a small group of people. But no, I, I personally don't. I I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. 
Um, I think most people would actually agree with that, to be honest, from the stuff I've heard and people I've listened to. A lot of people seem to be like, you know, great career, amazing player for the Patriots. End of. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I think that's all that we need to say on that. And he did get done for cheating. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, true. So he got popped for the roids. So yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right, so another bit of news this week we got... um, that I think I'd like to go into in a little bit more detail, um, if you're okay with that, is mm-hmm. um, the Browns signing Jadevian Clowney. Um, so, one-year deal. So it's very much like a prove-it kind of deal. You know, they're not um, they're not committing long-term. But I think from what I read, there were some discussions about a longer-term deal. Should certain parts of this parts of his, um, you know parts of his deal he meet certain criteria yeah so um i guess um i wanted to get your opinions on Clowney as a player right now mm. um and then we might move on to talk about the browns as well um so a total of 12 sacks in the last three years a lot of injury problems um so yeah, I guess that's where you'd start, isn't it? Can he stay? Can he stay on the field? Yeah, it's quite a theme of the show, really, isn't it? Polarizing players. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he is, isn't he? Like he's he's one of those guys that the production doesn't match the reputation, um, and in some respects, you can say stats aren't everything, and there is quite a lot of evidence of him, you know, just tearing up um o lines and you know running backs and stuff like that uh, but at some point there has to be some production doesn't there it's you know like you know i know sims is quite a big one on you know not being that into production you know not in being that into stats you know mm-hmm. um because obviously his quote you know is the fuck up the play stat and you know there's plenty of times that jadevi and clowney is in the backfield causing mayhem and you know he's one tackle away you know one you know millimeter away from causing the sack but someone else gets it or whatever and i'm all for that but i just I, at some point there has to be some statistics to back it up um and because you know you get the best of the best players like the aaron donalds he is a fuck up the play nightmare and he also leads the league in sacks every year and that's not to say you know, Jadebi and Clowney should be on the same level of production as Aaron Donald, but you can do both. You can be a disruptive player and also get some production. Doesn't have to be leading the league in sacks, but he definitely should be um, producing more statistics than he does. And I think it's why he's such a polarizing player because, you know, he was the number one pick, wasn't he? He's, he was, yeah. He's a freak of nature. And I remember, you know, watching him a few years back when he was on Texans and... Do you remember that hard knock season when it was, I think the Texans won when he first came out and you looked at some of his, um, some of his footage on hard knocks. It's just an absolute, as you say, freak of nature. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I would sort of... Uh, bite back a little bit on the stat front he's had he did have some some productive seasons in Houston mm-hmm. um but they were very much it was very much um yeah either him getting injured or JJ Watt being injured but if you look at his his best 
performance, best performances, it was always when JJ Watt was on the other side, right? So that's that's where my argument would be. This could work because not only has he got um, Miles Garrett on the other side, you know, arguably the best edge rusher in the league, um, he's also got a hell of a D tackle in Sheldon Richardson in the middle as well, who's all over that fuck the play up stat, you know, mm-hmm. so. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? Like he's clowny probably for when he has been healthy, and I don't think that's been a lot. I think even no. when even when he's been out there, he's been battling something. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he has been healthy, he has faced double teams, triple teams. Sure, he's not going to see that same kind of attention, mm-hmm. you know, in that Browns front line. So that would be my argument. But I guess, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I, so I guess. I don't have much opposition to that. I'm not a clowny denier or hater for a stronger word. Um, I just don't, the, the, at this point, I think, you know, it's like we're saying with Odell Beckham, I, I love Odell Beckham, but at some point we have to level the reputation with the actual, you know, production. And that's clowny. I'm not saying I don't like the guy. I think it's awesome pickup for the Browns, you know, like say it's, it's cost him nothing. He gets to line up alongside, you know, Miles Garrett and, um, uh, Sheldon, Sheldon Richardson. Sheldon Richardson. Richardson. Yeah. Um, great. That, that's that's kind of what what he needs. But you know, we keep we keep kind of expecting Clowney to be this number one overall pick. You know, Khalil Mack type. You know, just an absolute menace on the edge. Um, and he's not been that. Uh, and that's not to say like I don't, I don't like him, but the, I feel that the reputation has to marry up with the actual production. And obviously, half that production problem is you know, like you say injuries. I, 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 was, I was sure I heard something, you know, the other day about he's only been healthy. Like he's only played like um, 16 games, like, or 17 games, whatever. Um, he's played 16 games once. Once. The, yeah. That says everything really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So he's a, yeah, he's a difficult one. Um, yeah. He, yeah. He's, you know, he's had some seasons where like he's 14 games, 15 games, 13 yeah. games, but you know, like, like we said, even then he's playing through. He always seems like he's playing through something. Um, I was reading something about his time in Seattle, um, and apparently one of the things that made the Browns so hot on him was his ability. So towards the end of the time in Seattle, I think if you remember, he was. Um, I think he was playing with a, a core injury. They were saying that it, it turned out to be a sports hernia, but he was really. Um, he was really active and he was really, especially like against the run game. Like he was, I mean, he, yeah, he, he was, he was really productive for that team. And I think if, if he can get, cause he doesn't have to be that every down player now, you know, he doesn't, it's, you know, with all the, with all that they've got, the Browns, he, it seems like he won't have to be, but don't forget, they also picked up Tack McKinley in free agency, um, who again is a player who's fallen off a cliff a little bit, but was a, real really high rated pass rusher so they've they've got the ability to move it around right now um and i guess that kind of brings us on to the next point like how where are we with the cleveland browns how how complete are they like i'll give you i'll give you one um one thing i heard yesterday when doing some research for this they've now got um 10 first round picks on their roster 
including three number one overall picks. Mm, what Baker, Mars Garrett, and Clowney. Oh, of course, Clowney. Yeah. Um, so o- o- Odell must have been a quite high first rounder as well, wasn't he? I think he was. He probably was. Yeah. But yeah, and... yeah, carry, yeah, carry on. That's besides yeah, so... the point. Well, no, yeah. So, so where yeah, are we? Where are we with the Browns? I think they're 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 a, they're a Super Bowl contender, really, aren't they? On paper, at this point, um, they they kind of underachieved the year before last, and then they slightly started to overachieve a bit last year. Um, so I think maybe we find some sort of middle ground for them, but obviously they've got um, another year of experience to add to that. A couple of helpful players like Clowney coming in, and hopefully, obviously OBJ coming back. Um, so I, I think you know they're they're on paper they're a contender for the Super Bowl. At the very least, they're a, they're a solid playoff team. Um, I think they found their identity last year, didn't they? Um, and obviously they got. Um, they had Denzel Ward was a bit in and out of the, the team last year. Yeah, Greedy um, Williams was, was Greedy Williams out. Del Del Pitt, Pitt. who they picked up. So um, and then they've signed um they signed John Johnson and Troy Hill. Oh yeah, John Johnson. Free agency as well. Um and also there's a lot of buzz at the moment about um Stefan Gilmore if he doesn't re sign in um in New England, that that the Browns would be the the sort of top team going after him. So obviously that's just rumours, but um, I mean, can you imagine putting him in there as well? Like it kind of it all starts to you you start to get really excited. I mean, I told you before this podcast, I, I just from doing this research, which I did quite extensively the other day, I um, I've now put a bet on the, the Browns to win the Super Bowl next year, and you know. Like you said with your Colts bet in back in that first episode, like probably not going to happen. But um, I think I think they're they're going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they? You know, they their offense in particular seem to um, it's going going waves last year. They it seemed like they were either scoring thirty five points or they were scoring six or seven points. Mm. It was a bit weird, really. But they they seem to really come on in that. Um, second half of the season um so what do you where, where do you see them where do i see them um mm. i think they've arguably got the best o-line in in all of football right now mm-hmm. um which you know as we've talked about a lot um is is really important i think they've got arguably the best run game in football as well um i think so I think offensively they can they can definitely get it done. They make a lot of mistakes, I think, um, but that I think that is something that can be ironed out. Um, I think a, a a weakness for them was obviously their their defense, and it seems that they've made moves to improve that, um, especially in the secondary. So it I think I see them up there. An awful defense, though, should it? No, but then you know with with Ward out a lot, with mm. Grady Williams out, you know you're losing your your best two corners mm-hmm. and um, the safety that you've just drafted in the second round. Um, you know, it's, that's, that's hard for any team to overcome. Um, and, you know, with John Johnson and Troy Hill, they've, they've made some nice additions there. Um, I don't know where they go in this draft, but I think, I think I see them making a push. I, I think they're the best team um, in the AFC North. 
Yeah. Really, aren't they? Like yeah. on again on paper, the game's not played on paper, but do you see? Do you think the Steelers or the Ravens are a better team than them? No. Um, no, not definitely not Steelers at this point. The Ravens. I'm not sure, really. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. Do you know what my biggest concern for them is, though? Mm-hmm. Quarterback. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I thought we'd go on to this. Eventually. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it's, you know, oh my God, they need to draft another quarterback. But that, uh, you know, when you look at the whole roster and you think, wide receiver core, pretty good. Got a few good tight ends. They still got Austin Hooper, haven't they? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, running backs, obviously amazing. O line, incredible. D line, if Clowney stays healthy, yeah. is more than good enough. Um, you know, linebacker, eh, they're okay. They're not awful. And obviously, mm. you know, um, DBs, if they get a few of those guys back healthy, the only concern I really would have is Baker because it's been it's been a bit up and down with him. It's not a small sample size now either, is it? No. That's, that's the concern. Um, my, my argument for Baker was that since he's come into the league, Cleveland has gone through change after change after change. It clearly it wasn't working out with Freddie Kitchens and Baker. No. There was clearly something wrong there. And when Stefanski came in, I think it took Baker a little while to get going. Um, but, I mean, I've got some stats here, actually, because I knew you were going to bring this up. So, <laughs> a preemptively good got some comparisons from 2019 to 2020 mm-hmm. so baker's completion percentage in 2019 was 59.4% he got that up to 62.8% last year um but this was these two i think are the absolute key stats here um he so firstly uh, you know showing that this o line is one of the best they went from uh, allowing Baker to be sacked 40 times in 2019 to only allowing 26 sacks in 2020. Um, and then Baker's touchdown to turnover ratio in 2019 was 22 touchdowns with 21 turnovers, which is not good. But he got that in 2020, he got that to 26 touchdowns and eight turnovers. Mm, now, that's good. It's much better. So the touchdowns went up and the turnovers came right down. Obviously, the run game is probably a big part of that because um, teams were probably so worried about that run game that that you know, know maybe there were some, some some more holes. But um, he def he's definitely he, although it might not have looked like it all season, he definitely took a, a leap forward last year. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm hopeful for Baker is what yeah. I think I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I, me too. Um, it's just, yeah, it is out of their team now. Um, ironically, that's the one position I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on just yet. Um, but like you say, I, you know, I remember when he came in and replaced Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor. I think it actually should be, isn't it? It's not yeah, actually Tyrod, but yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember when he replaced Tyrod, and it's just starting totally... quarterback for the Houston Texans next year. By the yeah, what a fucking mess they are. <laughs> right, um, and it just completely changed the way the Browns looked, and Baker looked awesome. And yeah, mm. sure, he made some mistakes, or whatever, but overall, he looked better than he did worse. And they just had that swagger about them. You know, he had a few, he just see, you know, he was quite cool. 
Um, you know, they woke up feeling dangerous, quote, and stuff like that stuck around. And it kind of gave Browns the edge that they seem to have been looking for for a bit. And then it just derailed big time last year, really, didn't it, under Freddie Kitchens, um, which is weird because Baker was one of the biggest advocates of, um, of Freddie Kitchens from what I remember. Um, maybe, maybe in hindsight, he shouldn't have been or whatever, but I don't know what that says, if it says anything at all about Baker. Um, but it's a shame they had that last year because it kind of set them back a bit. And then, you know, I'm totally willing to chalk up the not amazing start and a better second half of the season this year to obviously having a new system in place and learning a new scheme. Um, in, a, so, in a really difficult season as well, when they had to learn most of that virtually as well. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm hopeful we get to see the good side of Baker and it becomes less of a talking point than it is now. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I would be lying if I said that I'm uh, totally, you know, ready to, you know, take that one to the bank and say that he's, you know, the best quarterback for the Browns um, right now. Absolutely. But I think it's definitely worth remembering they won a playoff game last year, which is huge for them. And mm -hmm. let's be really honest, there were several moments in that Chiefs game where they could have won that game as well. And if if certain rules were different and things like yeah. that, we might, you know, it might have been a different outcome. I know, I know the Chiefs got it done and also the Chiefs' best player got hurt. Um, oh, but... that was the one they finished it on the scramble by... Um... Yeah. What's his name? Matt? Is it Matt? Something? What's his Something, bloody yeah. name? Yeah. Anyway, the, the Chiefs backup quarterback, who we don't really need to know, but... <laughs> Yeah, I do. I remember that game now you're saying about it because that was the was it Higgins or Donovan yeah, Jones Higgins, that had the, yeah. the touchback one? Yeah, finished um, uh, finished um, twenty two seventeen. So they just they the Chiefs the the Browns had plenty of chances to put that away, didn't yeah. they? And they just yeah, never absolutely. did. And um, that's yeah. a team that hasn't you know hasn't won a, well hasn't been in the playoffs, but hasn't won a playoff game for a long time. Um, won their first playoff game this year. Came up against. Um, a probably quite depleted Chiefs team, especially well, very depleted once you took Mahomes out of the mix, and and couldn't get it done. So that's a bit alarming, but um, I think we'll forgive them for that because mm -hmm. of the, you know, because it's early days in in Stefanski's time there. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited about them. So I, I guess um, to come back to our earlier point, where how complete are they? I I don't think they're far off. I I don't disagree with your point where I think their their most um, questionable position is quarterback, but I hope that Baker's got enough this year to answer that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I'm uh, I'm hopeful for them. So moving on to another team, um, sort of a, a a bit unplanned, but we were we were having a chat the other day about um, about the Browns. We said we wanted to talk a bit about the Browns after the Clowney signing, and we um, you brought another team up. Um, because they've kind of bit, they've kind of both, both these teams have been on this journey of trying to grow. Um, and it seems like the Browns are getting there. Um, and this other team are stalling a lot. And that's the, um, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so uh, I'm going to hand over to you um, to give me your thoughts on what's going on in Las Vegas and whether you think Gruden and Mayock are are right for the organization moving forward no <laughs> cool on to the <laughs> cool. finished um yeah it's something that sort of was um i want to say percolating is that the is that a right word 
when something's sort of simmering. Yeah, I guess yeah, I could the, just use simmering. The, the but coffee's percolating. Yeah, it's nice. Percolating. Like it. It's yeah. been it's been simmering in the back of my mind since um, last season, um, because I found I guess maybe this is slightly influenced by Sims again. Um, he was quite he's quite big on the Raiders, um, and a lot of people were, and I I just there since uh, obviously Gruden and Mayock came in, which I think was about two thousand eighteen. I have not seen anything to suggest that this rebuild is successful and they tore it down. You know, they obviously they traded Khalil Mack, you know, Amari Cooper, they got rid of the big names and I'm yet to see signs of life. Um, I think the, the signs of life that you could maybe, maybe say that we saw, um, what did they finish last year? Like seven and nine or something. I think it was something like, yeah, seven, Seven and nine, yeah. I don't feel that matches up with the way people talked about them, and the way they, you know, again, like we always say, you know, I'm a big. Oh, fan sorry, of... no, it was it was eight and eight last year. Was it eight and eight? Eight and eight, yeah. Um, well, one of them was probably that last the uh, one against the Jets where they got it in the last few seconds. So, mm-hmm. um, I know you could probably go through all the games and think, oh, they only won it because of this, or they only lost it because of that. But I just, I just, my gut feeling says that they're not they're not rebuilt like i don't know what what would you pin on the raiders as being good their offense is pretty good yeah so um, i think we talked about we talked to me we said that um their offense actually in points and yards um ranks in the top 10 and their defense ranks at the very bottom of the league so i think that kind of um sort of answers that like what's what's wrong but then you know their offense it hasn't been fantastic you know take Darren Waller out of that team and um their offense is probably a really different proposition isn't it so it's it's difficult but their offense was okay last year they they scored pretty well um but you know there was the, the problem is that defense and I think like you said they when they did trade Khalil Mack and they had all those first round picks. Did we say they had three first round three picks? Three first rounders. Um, what have they done with those picks? You know, like um, Farrell and um, Jonathan Abraham and stuff uh, just haven't haven't done it yet. They haven't shown really anything to say that they're going to do it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, you know, that's why I kind of brought this up. Um yeah, it was, what did they do, in 2018 or 9? I mean, 2018 was Cleland Ferrell. I oh, know that's, two, yeah, 2019, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abraham, and Cleland Ferrell. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Jacobs has Josh been, Jacobs, he's been fine. Like, he's, been, he's been good. He's been, yeah. he's been, he's been better than good, I think. He's been above average. Yeah. Um, But then... 2018. Let's have a quick look at that one. Um, so that would have been Mayock okay, and Gruden's so that, first draft. Yeah. And this is the thing, I guess, that it concerns me is um, Mayock has obviously brought in, as you know, the 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 Daniel Jeremiah of you know before Daniel Jeremiah sort yeah. of thing. You know, like the draft expert. Yeah. And. 
And he was sort of the some... go-to guy at NFL yeah. Network, I think, wasn't he? And they sort of, you know, he made some real smart picks. And uh, I'm going to read out the um, 2018 rookie draft class for Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colton Miller, PJ Hall, Brandon Parker, Arden Key, Nick Nelson, Maurice Hurst, Johnny Townsend, Azeem Victor. And I, I ran that by you earlier. And I don't, we didn't recognize any names off that. No, I'm not. I mean, I'm. I don't claim to be a Raiders expert, but I, I mean, and and if this makes me sound stupid, then sorry, but I genuinely have never heard any of those names. I think I might have heard Colton Miller's name, but I can't think of why. No, it might have been in some bad police drama, American police drama. I don't know. Either way, that's all misses for the most part. Yeah. And then the 2019 one was obviously Josh Jacobs. Okay, good. Jonathan Abraham, I think the jury's still almost a bit out on him, isn't he? He's missed a lot of time with injury. Trayvon Mullen, yeah, fine. Max Crosby's been the only one that's really, I think, yeah. been a, a, a steal, as you would say. Yeah. Um, and then the 2021, Henry Ruggs, jury's still out on him. He didn't really get a chance to show anything. Um, Damon Arnett, uh, yeah, okay, so-so. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., who's not even on the team anymore from what I remember because I think he ended up on the Dolphins almost straight away after that draft. Brian Edwards, haven't really seen much from him. Tanner Muse, John Simpson. That's some. That's a lot of whiffs, man. Mm, yeah. Considering Mayock's supposed to be, you know, this draft guru and, you know, him and Gruden working together and they're rebuilding the Raiders. Though, If that's your foundations, I'm not sure those are good foundations and you know they obviously they pretty much gave away you know a lot of their o-line this year um they just make they make some weird moves they don't make any moves that i think "Mm, yeah that makes sense i'm totally with them on that one and i can see the direction that they're going i don't really know what the raiders are at this point i feel you know they they're coming up on three years into this rebuild almost four and i'm i'm kind of unsure what what they are doing at this point, like now, you know, the Browns, we're starting to see the identity come out, you know, and a lot of these, a lot of these teams, you know, you start to see the identity and they build around a player or two and, you know, they start to find something that works for them. Uh, apart from the, the offense being, you know, pretty good on the Raiders at times, what, what, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing? I don't, I don't get it. And I, I just, I think John Gruden gets a bit too much slack to be honest. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And if you think last they let Nelson Aguilar walk. Mm. No, I'm not saying that Nelson Aguilar was the reason they were so he successful. He was good for them last, last year, year he was, though. Yeah, he was he was decent. And you know, if you're then, you know, you could the other side of that is you could say, well, use rugs more, and you might get the similar sort of production. But you know, you need you need multiple weapons on an offense to make it to make well, it. Well, they did replace him, didn't they? Who the Aglor? Did they? They got John Brown. Okay. <laughs> you know, exactly. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. That that was their, you know, their sure. Okay, that I'm sure they're planning on using rugs a bit more, but why not have both? Yeah, and use both of them. Like, there's nothing. There's no rules to say that you can't have two decent wide receivers and use them both. And I just their 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 decisions seem. I don't understand their decisions. I don't see the logic in them a lot of the time. 
Um, I think they're in a tricky spot division-wise as well because um, obviously you've got the Chiefs in that division who you know are going to be the the team in that division for the foreseeable future. That's fine. But so so say they're fighting for second place. Um, the Chargers are just below them, and in my opinion, they're really they're a team on the up. You know, they're a sure. few pieces away from being a really really dangerous team. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm not sure they're not in a, yeah, the, the Raiders aren't in a stronger position for the, for the last two years of rebuilding, are they? Yeah, exactly. And, so, um, the, you know, I mean, they, they have got the Broncos in that division, so maybe well, that, you know, maybe that the, frees them up a bit. If the Broncos sort out quarterback position, they're, they're a nice team on defense. They're, you know, what happens with Von Miller, I'm not entirely sure. But you know they got Bradley Chubb. They could potentially pick up another. You know, you know people are mocking them to take you know Michael Parsons or something. You know someone you know to potentially be Von Miller's replacement and wide receiver. And we we left him off a few weeks ago when we were talking about you know um, I can't remember when it came up and I sort of kicked myself because he's the forgotten man, Courtland and Sutton. Yeah, man, got, had injuries man. last year. What? Yeah. A, yeah, a real breakout the year before. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. I've got so many, yeah, so many Albert weapons. O, um, Noah Fant, they're a quarterback away from being a decent team. Mm-hmm. Um, so then where the Raiders after that? Yeah, yeah, I think they're they're sort of trending, in my opinion, trending down, which I think is a real blow, especially after the, the Vegas move, because, you know, they haven't been able to have fans in that stadium yet. And you think the excitement, they could have got it to the point where the excitement would have mm. really built, um, really yeah, built in stadium, the, yeah. rebuilding team in the third year of its rebuild, you know, yeah, ready to really start Vegas having a, a football team, you know, that's exciting, but yeah, that unfortunately their football team are the Raiders. Um, and, uh, and it's not looking very exciting. You, okay. So I, I've voiced my concerns this last year, really with John Gruden, and whether he's actually the right man to turn around the Raiders and even Mayock, you know, even I think he's definitely up for, you know, bringing it into question. Um, do you think Gruden's the man for the job? Um, I don't, I don't know that I do. No, I think he might be past it. I hate to use that. I'm going to, I'm going to throw in an English football comparison here. Okay. Um, because my heart is breaking at the moment for my beloved Tottenham Hotspur um, and watching what um, another past oh, it coach, Jose Mourinho. Yeah, um, right. a past it coach is doing to that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know enough about Gruden to say, to compare him sort of seriously to jo- Jose Mourinho. But what I would say is Jose's methods are outdated by, the, right. by you know, looking at it now and, um, you can't you can't win football games the way he wants to win football games anymore. Um, and maybe that's the same with maybe that's the same with Gruden. You know, he had some success, but these things like they go in cycles, don't they? You know, Gruden's not he's not a Shanahan or a McVeigh. You know, he's not that creative kind of. Um, yeah, exactly. So Fansky. Yeah. So okay. To to follow up on that, then, do you think in hindsight, given him his, you know, whatever, a hundred million year length <laughs> contract was a mistake. Of course it because was. Because it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, it's a, you know, it, 
it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you want to give them some sort of security to say, look, you, you know, take the time you need to really rebuild this. Um, and, but at the same time, you need to do it at some point. You can't be too relaxed about it. Yeah. So they were giving him that contract makes me think that they thought everyone was going to be running after Gruden. Um, and I don't think that was the case, was it really? I don't, you know, I, I mean, again, I'm not very clued up on Gruden. I know he's, he'd had some, he's had some success before. Um, I know Spider Two Y Banana is one of his. Uh, one yeah, of his yeah, the yeah. irony, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We have to change the name after this. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I just think that um, the league has changed since Gruden has had, you know, the majority of his success, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that that he can't overcome that, and he, you know, because. It's very different to English football in that Gruden could now surround himself with people that could bring the Raiders into the modern day of the, of the game. But whether he will or not, I don't know. I, I get the impression he's the kind of character who likes to have a lot of control. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think, as I, as I said, they've got to be careful in that division because uh, the Chargers are... I mean, the Chargers were hot so on hot on their tail last yeah. year. Um, so... Yeah, I don't think it'll be long before they they're challenging challenging the Raiders unless they make some serious improvements next year. Mm. Yeah, and I, just to sort of I guess finish up on that, mm. I, I think it irked me a little bit last year because the Raiders were that team that were sort of you know um, puffing their chest at the fact that they almost beat the Chiefs. And I think they did. Did they beat the Chiefs once? They did beat the Chiefs once. Yeah. 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 And then they almost beat them the second time or something. And it's like, okay, cool. It's like, and what? Yeah. You know, just because you nearly, you know, it's the same thing that irritated me going on to UFC about Gustafsson when he nearly beat <laughs> nearly John beat Jones. John Jones. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you nearly did, but you didn't, yeah. and you're still not at the top. So stop going on about it and focus on it. You know, like we're saying, again, another comparison that I feel is similar to that is um, in the Formula One Drive to Survive series. Have you watched it? I'm about halfway through. Oh, okay. Have you seen loving it. Have you seen the Bottas uh, Mercedes episode? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. all he's doing is talking about nearly beating Lewis. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but, you know, you're spending so much time and energy on trying to beat, you know, the, in air quotes, champion that you're losing sight of, you know, actually just getting on with the job yourself. And I, I just felt the Raiders were a bit like that, you know, swaggering about, oh, well, look at us, we beat the Chiefs. And it's like, yeah, but you I think that's a really suck. good. That's a really good point because they did also give the Chiefs, in their second matchup, they gave the Chiefs a really close game as well. Um, maybe Gruden's so obsessed with, so obsessed with the Kansas City Chiefs that he's sort of lost sight of other things. I mean, realistically i think if you're the raiders and you're looking at closing the gap on the chiefs you're naive because there's so much else you could be focusing on to get you i mean they could have been a playoff team last year um if that you know get that defense right and they would have won more games because their offense was was you know all right was pretty good Decent. Yeah. yeah so um i think they I think they messed up last year, and I, I can't see it change. I mean, I'd be interested to see who they who they go for in the draft, but um, yeah, they're I'm not, not taking a step not, forward, are they? 
they're not. They haven't. They haven't. No. I don't think they have taken a step forward. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's uh, that's just my thoughts on the Raiders. Right. So before we sign off this evening, um, we are finally, finally going to finish our 2021 mock draft. Are you playing? <laughs> we should have done it all we should have done it all in one episode got it out of the way um, but look it's done now everything's changed the whole draft is pointless <laughs> but uh, it is yeah. yeah and i've changed I've, I've had to change my microphone in the interval as well well you know these things happen these things uh, happen. i might sound different on the recording i don't know um, but yeah, we're going to finish it. And then obviously when the draft actually happens, we'll cover the draft in much more detail because we're both very excited about it. It's um, it's a really exciting class this year. I think there's lots of good... Pl- I don't know whether it's just because we've dived a bit deeper into it because of this, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. So anyway, we'll do the last, um, the last few picks now. So starting with pick 27 of the first round, the Baltimore Ravens, and it's over to you, Jack. Um... This one, I was torn between um, taking someone on the defensive side, uh, edge guy, like you said. Obviously, they they lost Matt Judon, and they seem to just go a little bit flat um, on their sort of pass rush last year. I know they do tend to use a lot of stunts and twists and all that sort of stuff, but saying all that, I'd have went with a receiver in the end. Um, and... I, 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 I don't buy into Sammy Watkins being the, the saviour of the of the Ravens' uh, receiver core, to be honest. Um, so I'm going Terrace Marshall Jr., the um, LSU wide receiver. Um, obviously, he's played with a pretty, uh, a pretty legit receiving group in the last couple of years with uh, Chase and Jefferson. Um, but, you know, his name's popped up for a while, so um, he's going to be my... 27th pick for the Baltimore Ravens. Nice. Okay, so pick 28, um, New Orleans Saints. Tried to do that, New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, Yeah, so um, here I went for um, J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. Um, Obviously, losing uh, Janoris Jenkins in free agency will will have an effect on that team. I quite like what I've seen from J.C. Horn so far. Seems to be quite a big, uh, a big um, cover corner. Um, he he his dad was a wide receiver in the NFL, so I always think I don't know whether it's just um, I don't know how much to read into it, but I, I I always like that when they've had a parent who's played in the or a brother who's played in the league. You know, it always seems to be you you you've got to think that that they've um, that they've either been around the game or they've kind of, uh, you know, like practicing at home with your dad, who was a star wide receiver, is is probably pretty good. So uh, yeah, I can give you some tips. Um, there is a few questions about his tackling, apparently, but um, yeah, everything I've seen seems pretty good and um, would be a good fit for the Saints there at um, at twenty eight. So uh, 29, Jack, over to you again um, for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think the obvious pick would be receiver. Um, I'm kind of doing the reverse of what I just did with, um, with the Ravens. Uh, talk yeah, about you just it. want to piss Aaron Rodgers off more, don't you? 
Yeah, I, I talk about the pick they should probably go with and then go with the opposite one. Um, I would like them to take a receiver here, but why Why give Aaron Rodgers anything he wants in the first round at this point? Um, and they definitely do need to address their pass rush and linebacking core a little bit. Um, the, I don't know, they kind of... They obviously had the Preston Williams and um, oh no, sorry, not Preston Williams, um, Zadarius Smith and oh, my mind's gone completely blank. Zadarius, is it Preston? Smith? Preston Smith. Yeah, I'm getting Preston Williams yeah. for someone. Um, so yeah, yeah, Preston Smith and Zadarius. Yeah, and they they kind of came on the scene hot, didn't they? Like a year or two ago, and then it just sort of went a bit flat last year. So. I'm going to help them out a little bit with um, Zaven Collins um, from Tulsa, linebacker. Um, yeah, kind of wanted to go receiver, but I'm going to go linebacker and help them out a little bit. As we struggle through these last few picks. Yeah, and at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but Zaven Collins um, seems to have a lot of upside. I think he's a bit of a project guy, but that would probably suit Green Bay quite a lot. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Uh, so number 30, the Buffalo Bills. Um, so I went for edge here. Um, they definitely need some pass rush help. And I went for um, for Gregory Russo out of, uh, out of Miami. I think um, the, Bills had, <laughs> the Bills had a strong, strong season. Um, it, you know, it, they were, they were, um, they were really interesting to watch last year, but they there was definitely some holes, especially um, especially defensively. And Russo seems to be he seems to have all the attributes, doesn't he? But it's whether he can he can put it together. You know, he's he's quite a big guy. Um, Is he six seven? I'm sure. Yeah, six 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 seven, something like that. Um, 265 pounds um yeah just a so so you know quite a quite a freaky guy um obviously playing with uh with Jalen Phillips last year as well or well actually Russo didn't play last year but um yeah the same same school mm-hmm. um but yeah so it just seems to be uh seems to be quite a quite a freaky athletic guy and um he has actually played safety before as well i read so uh yeah could be interesting to see what they can do with him i think that's a lot to do with why there's not much film on him isn't there right yeah i think he switched around positions you know until the last year or two where he you know finally slotted in at defensive end but then obviously sat out the last season so he only really has one year of film on that yeah it's another casualty probably of the the 2020 season you know choosing to opt out of that um yeah but you know everywhere seems to be well i say everywhere a lot of places seems to seem to be projecting him as as a first round pick um you know quite a special blend of um size and speed and and things like that so uh yeah uh, interesting one and i think probably a, a pretty good fit for the bills and i think down at number 30 you're probably it's probably not too much of a risk for him there Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so 31 Kansas City Chiefs where have you gone 
Uh, I kept this one real simple and went Landon Dickerson. Um, the, the Chiefs don't have, I mean, the defence needs a bit of work, but I think we're all scared shitless last year in the Super Bowl seeing what happened to Patrick Mahomes. So I'm uh, I'm just going all, all out O-line help. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, with that? Because, like, it, it, they seem to be so untouchable and then it just went so wrong. I know we touched on it a little bit in the first podcast, but it just went so wrong, didn't it? And and you you have to think that a big part of that was the injuries they sustained to their own line. Um, and what's the point in having a player like Patrick Mahomes if you can't protect him, right? So Exactly. Um, and this guy does cartwheels, so... <laughs> yeah. All joking aside, I think he's probably best available at the position at this point. Um, you know, if you can get a, if you can get a starting O line guy down down there, then I think you'd be pretty pleased with that. Yeah. Okay, and finally, mm. pop the bottle. We're getting to the last pick, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're not doing two rounds. <laughs> uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so. I have gone um, maybe a slightly controversial pick here, but, um, you know, as, as we've said a lot of times on this podcast, we are, we worship at the church of Chris Sims. And mm-hmm. um, if Chris Sims is high on a quarterback, I pay attention because Chris Sims seems yeah. to know what he's talking about with quarterbacks, right? You really know, whether you respect his opinion on everything is probably up in the air, but um, he seems to know what he's talking about, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. So for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I've gone Kellen Mond here at the end of the first round. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and actually, I I think I, I could have gone with him with one of my earlier picks, especially a look at that Pittsburgh Steelers pick. Um, he's not necessarily a player that needs to sit, um, but... It is not going to do him any harm at all to go into the league and sit behind Tom Brady um, for for you know if this is Brady's last year then for a year but even if it's if it's two years you know um, it it works for him he's he's got he's got professional style experience already he's got by the sounds of it pretty elite traits. Um, I know not everyone feels as good about him as Sims does. I mean, PFF have got him projected as going in the fifth round, which that's ridiculous. It seems crazy to have, um, you know, to have two, you know, two complete differing opinions like that, that, that different. But I think the point that really sort of brought it home for me is, um, you know, Sims was saying that the the Green Bay Packers took Jordan Love in the first round and no one really batted an eyelid. Well, obviously, they did bat an eyelid, you know, because Aaron Rodgers was pissed. But, um, you know, so if you're going to take Jordan Love, you know, it seems that the tape on on Kellermond is better than Jordan Love's tape. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, a great situation for him. And, and the, the Buccaneers need to, they're going to need to think about yeah. what they're going to do at quarterback next, aren't they? I think it's a, I, I, it, 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 it kind of caught me by surprise, but I think it's actually a really good pick for them. Um, mm. And like you say, from from what I understand, he's uh, he's kind of being slept on a little bit. And 
even if you don't necessarily think he's a, a first round or a second round or whatever, fifth round is ridiculous because we all know the, the the quarterback value just goes up and up and up. Just you know, even if they're not the you know the the definite you know the the most needed player you know on a team or whatever, they just because they're scarce, you know, they they sort of go up. So I cannot see him still being there in the fifth round. So yeah, and you think like. The the Eagles taking Hurts in the second round last year, um, you know, the, to say that to say that Kellermond is a fifth round player is a bit maybe yeah. a bit disrespectful, but I don't know. People see different things when they're evaluating players. I, I, I'm sure that it's. I mean, to be drafted into the NFL in the quarterback position is, you know, there are very few people that get the opportunity to do that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I, I'd go there, and and as I say, I think it it makes a lot of sense because of Tampa's situation. You know, Tom Brady is not getting any younger, and I know we're you know, we say that every year, but if if they're going to win again next year, then they're not going to be in a position to pick a quarterback next year either. So no. yeah, no, good good smart pick from you. Oh, thanks, mate. It's okay, well there we, there we, it's done. It's done. Yeah, we wrapped. It's done. There's, you know, that's it. A podcast over. <laughs> we'll you have to wait until the beginning of the season now. Start again. <laughs> no, it's um, it was fun going through going through it in more detail. In hindsight, I think we probably would have done it in in one shot next time. Um, but thanks for um, you know, thanks for humouring us and listening to four instalments of a mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, I think that's it for today, Jack. So uh, I'll see you soon. See you soon. That was episode five of the Spider2Y podcast. Um, Thank you so much for listening once again. And uh, we'll see you again next week.